Hey everybody, it's Anna J. Walner with Indie Author Chat, and today I am so pleased to have on the show S.P. Brown, who is the author of four books that you've already released. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am a uh, full-time academic. I uh, teach at Mississippi State University in the famous town of Starkville, Mississippi, <laughs> that famous college town in, among the SEC schools. I also, uh, as Anna says, I'm a, by night, I am a fictionalist. I'm a, I'm a novelist, and I've got four books, working on a fifth right now, uh, finishing out one of my trilogies. And uh, I found that as I hit middle age several years ago, things got a little boring in academics. So I wanted to spice things up a little bit and started writing fiction. And I've been enjoying that ever since. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we, uh, we definitely have that in common. I do most of my writing at night because I have a little one that uh, demands attention all day long. So when the sun goes down, the laptop comes up. <laughs> so all of your books are rooted in paranormal themes. Uh, which of the books that you have, the four that you have out now, which one is your favorite? Do you have a uh, favorite? Wow. You know, I think that is probably where I'll answer that. I, I probably don't have a favorite. Um, the trilogy was my original conception when I first uh, started writing fiction. It, it was my original story that I came up with to try to pin and to see if I actually could do this. Uh, I always tell the story that it's anybody can write a novel, but to write a good novel is a challenge. And so I had never taken a creative writing course in college. Uh, I mean, I had to take English classes, but never a creative writing course. So, but I, I am an academic, so I have a lot of writing in my career anyway. And I put out textbooks and numerous scientific articles. But I must say that all that writing, the hardest thing I ever did was to, to write that first novel and to try to make it good. So which one is my favorite? I don't think I have a favorite. Uh, I'm trying to finish up my trilogy right now. So I'm really into that story. Uh, two of which have been published and I'm finishing the third right now. But the trilogy was not the first thing I put out. The first book, my debut came out in 2017 and uh, a book called The Legacy and it is a paranormal thriller. So um, I fall within that paranormal scope of things um, in one way, shape, or form, but I also can be classified as contemporary fantasy. Uh, things like that is what I like to write and read, although I read pretty widely. So I don't have a favorite. Sorry to disappoint you in that question, but uh, I guess they're all my favorite because I treat them all as my sons and daughters. And we uh, get attached. We get attached to our books because we we spend so much time with them. 
I will give a plug to my publisher right now, though. Um, I write for Black Opal Books, and they're an independent publisher. They're not one of the big, or attached to one of the big five New York City publication firms. Uh, but they're good. They've been very good to me, and they publish my uh, works, Black Opal Books. Black Opal Books Publishing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, so I have, I am curious where you draw inspiration for your books. Um, have you ever had a paranormal experience? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I saw that question you were going to ask. And if you would delve into my website, and I'll just call it out right now, spbrownbooks.com. spbrownbooks.com. And I'll have the link, yeah. don't worry, in the description okay. along with the rest. Okay. Well, if you look at my blog posts uh, from, I think, a couple of years ago, uh, I uh, interviewed a person on there, and we talk about that. We talk about the uh, paranormal experiences that we have had. So to answer your question, it's, it's, uh, let me just say that um, as I talk about that in that blog post I'm referring to, I go back to uh, my mother's uh, strange experience. <laughs> okay. This is a little bit of my personal family history. My mother, and, and I mentioned this in that blog post, so I'm not, I've even talked to my sister about this, but uh, my mother had a, a little bit of a strange uh, deal where she, if one of her children got hurt, it could be a minor thing that all children complain about, like a hurt thumb or mommy, I got hurt. What, what do, and she would, she would literally take her thumb and uh, rub it over whatever body part was thought to be to be injured and while mumbling some things under her breath so now I'm not saying that we got healed by that it was it was a peculiar thing that she did uh, I always thought though that it was sort of strange I never talked to her she's been dead a long time but I never talked to her about it I did talk to my sister about it once several years ago uh, after I started writing novels and she, she remembered that and she didn't have any insights for me, but my own paranormal experiences, my wife and I have sometimes is that we have a very weak, very sort of strange, sort of what I would describe as a pre precognition that, uh, is not anything super powerful. I wouldn't describe it that way, but uh, we, we could uh, know something is coming up and a, a few seconds later it would, uh, it would occur. And uh, it's, it's not anything that I can plan for or say, okay, the stock market is going to crash. Uh, February right. 1st, 2021. It's not anything like that. It's very personal, very within the my own personal sphere. 
kind of okay. like an intuition, like an inside feeling yeah. that you just mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's not that far in advance. It, it's like in the next footfall that I'm taking as I walk, uh, I know <clears throat> something is coming up. I mean, I call it paranormal. Uh, I'm getting chills. Pardon? <laughs> I'm getting yeah, chills. Uh, so, yeah, I write about that in that blog post. If any of your listeners uh, want to go take a look at my site. And, and Absolutely. Look and uh, I was interviewing uh, Luna Sellis, who's a part of the Wolfpack uh, authors group on Twitter as well. And uh, she's she's a devotee sort of of that sort of thing. I'm not really, I don't mean to give the impression that I'm some type of woo-woo type, even though I'm wearing a Dr. Strange t-shirt right I now. I love the t-shirt, by the way. I was going to mention that. I, uh, I, I am a um, practicing Christian, and um, so I, I don't see this as being outside the, the realm of um, uh, common everyday Christianity. Uh, but there it is. There's my unique paranormal experience. Um, my well, wife participates in it sometimes. She notices things sometimes when, oh, you were about to say that, weren't you? I said, yeah, yeah. Well, that is really interesting. Um, um, the, the story with your mom is that, is, that is very interesting. I'm sorry that you didn't get the chance to ask her more about it because it, it almost seems like like she had something that that was maybe passed down to her or or yeah she maybe. died pretty young uh i mean I, i'm in my 60s right now and she died when i was 22 and um and i was doing other things at 22 <laughs> yeah i'm i understand it, it, it wasn't in my wheelhouse at the time to try to investigate a little further about her, her thinking along those lines. Right. Well, I've always been fascinated by the supernatural and paranormal. Um, I've visited the, some haunted, uh, supposedly haunted places in um, Houston. There's the spaghetti warehouse um, that has a history of being haunted. And in uh, Port Aransas, Texas, I actually stayed in, uh, not the room, which is, I believe it's the Roosevelt room, but um, I actually stayed in the Tarpon Inn, which has a history of paranormal activity. And I talked one of the, I sweet talked one of the uh, ladies into letting me into the room. And I absolutely felt a palpable, I don't know if you would call it a presence. But the air almost felt different walking inside that room. So I'm a complete believer that there are things out there that are unexplainable. I am a scientist. I'm a university professor and a scientist. And, uh, but also I am a practicing Christian. I believe in the supernatural world. And uh, my first book, my debut novel, The Legacy, if you're interested in ghost stories, uh, just say this about the legacy. Uh, it, it is a paranormal thriller. It's, it can also be classified as a political thriller. So I have terrorists and ghosts in the same novel. 
Okay. No, I, I, I was immediately drawn to that one because I love the cover of the house. To, to tell you a little bit about this, to the scope of the story and how it's mixed genre, uh, I have a scene from the Situation Room of the White House in that book. So, um, yes, it's, uh, it's mixed genre, paranormal thriller. My protagonist there is a 27-year-old dude with a legacy that he's trying to avoid desperately. Okay, so you've, you've got me interested, absolutely. And like I said, I love the cover. It immediately drew me in whenever I saw it, the haunted yeah, house. The, the house, the house, Black Manor. Uh -huh. is okay. a character within the novel. Oh, I love that. And the third factor is the newest book that you have out, which is, by the way, the second book in the Stonehenge Chronicles. That's the, the trilogy that we were talking about. And can you tell us a little bit about that series and, and I, I what can, it's yeah. about? I can. I, I'm currently finishing that series. I'm writing the uh, the final book of the trilogy. I was going to ask if there was a third coming. Yeah, of course, it's a trilogy, so I've got to finish. This was the original story I came up with years ago when I sat down to, uh, was totally bored. My wife will tell you I was experiencing a midlife crisis, and I was bored with academics, and I didn't want to leave, of course, but uh, I'd, I'd written tons of scientific papers and college textbooks and uh, just got bored with that kind of writing. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna sit down and challenge myself to see if I can produce a novel. And I came up with a story. I had some inspiration for that story from the work of J.K. Rowling. Now, everybody knows who J.K. Rowling is. Of course. Through her Harry Potter series and other things she's done since then. And one of the things that always fascinated me in the Harry Potter series is that uh, she wrote about this underground world that the muggles, you and I, didn't know about because we were kept from knowing. They were hidden, right? Mm -hmm. But one of the things that fascinated me that she never realizes in her story is that she... Uh, never discussed the origin of her witches and wizards. Uh, she doesn't place in the books where they came from. So I'm pretty much fascinated with origin stories. Um, so I sat down purposefully to uh, design uh, a story world where I would uh, investigate in my underground covert people um, eventually where they came from. And I wanted to tie it to Stonehenge because Stonehenge had always fascinated me. Uh, there's a lot of work on Stonehenge, uh, scientific work, uh, you know, who built it, where it came from. Uh, yet what it means, what why it means, it's even there. Why, why it's there, stuff like that. A lot of work that we still don't know. It's right. still pretty much mysterious. We know it has something to do with the, the sun and the moon because of its configuration. Mm -hmm. um, 
I wanted to investigate it. So at the end of my trilogy, my trilogy is in your face, Stonehenge. It's called the Stonehenge Chronicles. Chronicles. Now right. it's not, Stonehenge is of ancient origin, right? It goes back at least 3,500 BC. But my novels are contemporary. I don't do any historical fiction or anything like that. Gotcha. But the backstory of my trilogy goes back to ancient times. And uh, I'm, I'm writing right now uh, a discovery of the uh, origin of Stonehenge in my follow-up book to The uh, Third Factor. So The Third Factor came out uh, last year, 2020, in March. Uh, the uh, initial book of the Stonehenge Chronicles came out in 2018. It's a story called Veiled Memory. And its protagonist, Dr. Madeline Allen, is an uh, academic historian. She's a Celtic historian. Uh, her, her specialty is Celtic history. And if you know anything about the Celts, you know, we're, we're into England and Ireland and Scotland and all those areas. And uh, there you are right into my story. Uh, but she is a Celtic historian, teaches at Cornell University in upstate New York, and she has a secret. And you need to read the book to discover her secret. You're going to leave us on a, cl on a, hang a cliffhanger there yeah. she, with the secret. Now her secret, her secret uh, is discovered a little bit more in the third factor. And I'm really exploring it now in the uh, third follow-up and the end of the uh, trilogy. I have to read these because I did do the DNA tests and um, and a lot of my it's fifty percent um, Scotland and um, fifty percent uh, United Kingdom is is, is what came back. So I'm really fascinated, and I haven't really delved into a lot of history, but I need to and I want to, and I'm I am fascinated by it. So I do. If you excuse me, if you go to Scotland right now, the second most common surname in Scotland is Brown. Really? That's okay. My, that's my heritage, but I'm from South Louisiana, so most of my heritage is French. So, uh, but the Browns snuck in there. See, I was adopted, so I never knew until uh, last, until last year. Um, Okay. When when I well I never knew until a couple of years ago whenever I took the DNA test exactly what uh, heritage I had um, in my DNA and so I was I was really surprised by some of the mm -hmm. things that I found out uh, upon meeting my biological family which I did only over the phone because it was in the summer of last year and. Oh, you know, good for you. Really Are you excited to meet them together? In when I'm able to, yes, yeah. I am very much excited to. That has not happened yet because I found out during the midst of all of this. So I haven't had that, that opportunity yet. Right. But right. I wanted to ask, um, because you are in the halls of academia, do you have someone there that you rely on maybe someone in the history department or in the anthropology department that you go to every once in a while and say do you have a secret resource there 
Yeah. Well, good question. And I will tell you yes, but the department will surprise you. And so okay. let me go to the story a little bit more because uh, the Stonehenge Chronicles, while it can be classified as a contemporary fantasy, uh, can also, if you look at the continuum from full-blown fantasy to full-blown science fiction, the Stonehenge mm -hmm. Chronicles will fall right about in the middle. It's not fully fantasy and it's not fully science fiction, but I do have science fiction-y things in the story. And uh, the first scene of my first novel, Veiled Memory, takes place at the McDonald Observatory uh, in Southwest Texas. It's a real place in the Davis Mountains of Southwest Texas where they built this observatory in the 1920s. Uh, it's part of the University of Texas at Austin system. I was gonna say the name sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, it is from the uh, astronomy department. So I do have somebody here in the uh, physics department because of what I, part of my plot deals with the moon. You will find that the moon runs pretty significant in all my stories. They are all can be classified as paranormal. I view paranormalism overarching term, even mm -hmm. other than fantasy and science fiction. Uh, so the moon, the moon plays a big part and I did have to consult, um, especially for, as we got into the plot more in the third factor book two of this of the series uh, i had to consult a uh, physicist here at mississippi state to make sure i i don't write uh hardcore science fiction uh in in hardcore science fiction you have to make even though it's fiction you have to make the science pretty plausible right and and it can't be too far out uh or, or you won't have People who read hardcore science fiction uh, will leave you if, if there's not at least some science that they can see can be make it possible. So I'm not there, but I wanted to make sure what I was doing with the moon could seem plausible. And uh, we know that the moon, for instance, I'll delve into it a little bit. Part of my plot has the moon drawing closer to the earth. The moon is in an elliptical orbit around the earth. It's got an apogee and a perigee. Yes. Uh, but it's moving away from the earth very, 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 very gradually, only like about a centimeter or two a year. That's measurable, by the way, because the in, in one of the Apollo missions that started in what, 1969, something like mm -hmm. that. When I was a kid, I watched the moon landing. In those early Apollo missions, they planted on the moon, what they call some uh, mirrors, recto, retro, retro reflectors. And what they now from the McDonald's reflectors on the moon in order to uh, get a, a very accurate, accurate within a couple of centimeters distance 
between the Earth and the Moon. And so that's part of my plot. The Moon is not gradually, but very substantially and suddenly drawing closer to the Earth. And we'll spell out for the third book, which I'm writing right now. I love that that um, that you explain that because I am a, a big fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, I'm fascinated by astrophysics, physics in general. As a kid, my dad um, always ha he had he tried to explain to me a lot of the theories of conservation of uh, uh, conservation of mass and um, you know. Yes, conservation of mass and energy, and then a lot of the theorems that Einstein came up with um, <clears throat> for the possibilities of time travel and multiverses. So as a kid, I was actually explained a lot of this stuff, and I found science very fascinating um, well, grow growing up. And I still do. I may not be able to understand the math because math. Oh, Lord. Well, just, math. I'm not good with that. Yeah. Well, let me just tell you, having heard you say that, you will love reading the Stonehenge Chronicles. But I won't say anything more than that. I'm uh, excited. I'll give away the overall plot. My, my goal at the end of the trilogy is that you will know why Stonehenge was built, who built it, and what it does. Those are a lot of promises. And I love whenever authors make big promises to their readers because, because we can always expect something mind-blowing at, at the end. I so. hope so. I hope I'm skilled enough plotter to get that. <laughs> but if I have an overarching plot that has to sustain three novels. So, uh, and that's, that, that is difficult because I, I'm on my third as well. And it is difficult to maintain um a consistent uh a consistent overarching plot uh through three yeah. books yeah so and it's it, there will be a completion to it uh going back to jk rowling i mean she she had an overarching plot for seven books and she it was very uh i read her ambitious i, I read her books to my daughters when they were young and uh she she pulled it off. I mean, that last book was very exciting and uh, she pulled it off. And uh, so she was one of my uh, inspirations for getting into fiction. I had many, uh, I mean, I, I read widely. I read John Grisham and courtroom stuff. I read police procedurals, Michael Connolly, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, I read paranormal stuff, Jim Butcher. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I'm not. The Dresden Files. Uh, if, oh if yes. Normal uh, urban fantasy. You need to be reading Jim Butcher. Okay. I'll, I'll only say that. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I, I read widely, and I write basically mixed genre, uh, all with a paranormal flair, though. I th I think with with paranormal, I was just talking with someone last night, actually. Um, I think with with anything that has to deal with paranormal, you're right. It is sort of a um, it is sort of up there where there are multiple different genre categories that can fall under the paranormal umbrella. 
So uh, we sort of have to kind of narrow that, that down a little bit to what it is exactly that our, our books are about. So, well, I really do thank you for coming on and talking with me today. And I'm going to ask the question that I ask all independent authors, especially independent authors who have multiple books that are out. Do you have advice for us in the writing community? One independent author to another things that you've learned over time the hard way that okay. I do have. That you can pass along some of your wisdom. Yeah, I, I do have. Uh, the basic advice everybody needs to take is, and I, me included, is if you want to be a writer, you have to be a reader first. And you have to read widely. You can't develop your craft in a vacuum, right? And And read within the types of genres you want to write in. I mean, I write mixed genres, so I'm reading all over the place. Uh, but you, you really can't produce a good novel unless you've read a thousand novels, you know, so you read widely. Also, as you're writing, um, have, once you complete a project, have people you trust and you know, hopefully, uh, to be a beta reader. I think beta readers, somebody who will read your work and be very critical, mm -hmm. thick skin. You can't get your feelings hurt. Uh, and if you can develop two or three good beta readers, that's going to make your work better. All I... have it. You need to have it too. <laughs> I absolutely agree. And find someone that is in the same genre that that or close to the same genre that you write to help you critique your work and when you're looking for beta readers find beta readers that are your target demographic that's one thing yes. that that i've stressed because it's not going to help you as a paranormal author to reach out to a romance group and ask for beta readers it's just no. not other than that, my only other advice is uh, decide what you are. Are you a plotter or a pantser? I'm a pantser. I, I'm a pantser too. I, I write by the seat of my pants and I let the story take over and the characters start writing it for me. I just got to get my head in, in their heads and they take over. It's and exciting I, because... I see, I see an end to a story. Yes. I don't know how to get there necessarily, though, unless I start writing. You and me both. And it is surprising how your characters will make some choices for you while exactly. you're writing that you otherwise, if you were a plotter, you wouldn't have necessarily put that down as, a, uh, as something to hit, as a key right. thing to hit. And I, I think... Um, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, I think that, that that's part of the that's part of what makes writing for me fun is mm -hmm. being a, an unconstrained panther. I tried to be a plotter. I, I did too. I read in the beginning. Uh, John Grisham literally wrote a paragraph for every scene in his entire novel before he, he sat down to begin the novel. 
he had every scene written out in a paragraph. I tried, but you got to know all the details ahead of time, right? I tried to do that and I just got so bogged down. I just could not do it. I have to get started and I have to let it develop on the fly or it's going nowhere. I absolutely, um, um, I can, I can relate. So yeah, guys, um, all of, uh, all of the links to uh, the blog that we talked about earlier, and then your author page on Amazon, uh, everything and, and your website as well is going to be in the description below. So uh, make sure to check out those links. And I'm going to go, I've, I've already checked out the blog and guys, it's, yeah, you, you, you definitely want to read some of the stuff that's in there because it, it, it will give you goosebumps and chills. Okay, Anna, well, thanks for the opportunity and I uh, yes. meeting you and thank you too. And uh, it's a pleasure to meet your acquaintance. Absolutely, guys. Uh, and everyone out there, stay safe, take care, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Bye bye.